podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. With your hosts, Mick Moran and Jay Pearson. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Copite Podcast. Uh, as always, Jay's here and uh, I'm alongside Mick. How you doing? Not so bad, mate. We've got a very special guest, haven't we, Jay? We have. So this is a very special episode of the Copite Podcast as today we are joined by an actual Anfield legend. Since 1971, <laughs> he's been the voice we've all come to know and love at Anfield. He's witnessed 11 league championships, 6 European Cups, 6 FA Cups eight League Cups, as well as many other memorable moments. Now in his 49th season behind the mic, we are proud and honoured to welcome the one and only George Sefton. Welcome, George. Thank you for having me. <laughs> good good just, intro. You forgot, you forgot the partridge and the pear tree when you went to that. <laughs> <laughs> I should have done that to be fair, it's Christmas, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, George, thank you so much for taking the yeah, time cheers. to be with us, mate. Um, but we'll start at the beginning. How did you become the voice of Anfield? It's getting to be... A well-known story, this. I was at Anfield standing in the old paddock one night in spring of 71. And the guy on the PA, well, it was still the tannoy then. Yeah. Uh, he was prone to making bloomers. I didn't know till later he was a stand-in. Well, that night he did said something stupid. And I looked at my wife and I said, oh, this guy's an embarrassment to our football club. And she didn't bat an eyelid, she just looked at me and said, it's all right for you standing down here, <laughs> but you couldn't do any better. And I thought, well, actually. Yeah. yeah. And I went home, I thought, she just, you know, it was a challenge. And I went home, I wrote to Peter Robinson. Big long letter, but basically boiled down to, dear sir, give a job. <laughs> and uh, they just decided to sling this guy out. My letter landed on his desk, and he thought, well, this guy hasn't got two heads he might save us a lot of hassle and I went in and um, had a chat and uh, come the August I was given the tryout I'm still technically speaking on a tryout <laughs> you've know, never been given a contract I think wow silly like that well I'll just turn up like a bad penny now. <laughs> <laughs> so with um, so with that being you your first game then was um, August 14th, 1971. Uh, it was against Forest. Against Nottingham Forest. Um, yeah. And it was, um, there's a bit of a pub question here now, isn't it? Why, why was that game extra special? Because a young lad called Kevin Keegan from Scunthorpe made his debut. Wow. And what did you make of him like that first game? Oh, could... he was, he, he was a, obviously going to be a huge talent. The, the ground he covered Somebody poked their head in my uh, room and said, that new lad's a bit of a tiger, isn't he? And that, that's about <laughs> Did they mean you? No. <laughs> you know, I, I was neither young nor tiger. <laughs> but um, it was obvious the, he had you know, the class and the spirit. And the, the whole way he, he, he moved, you know, he just impressed you as soon as he got on the mm. pitch. And obviously he did impress Shanks. Of course. Uh, in training the previous week, because he didn't know... Till quite late on, he was playing on the Saturday. He was sort of settling in for a couple of years in the reserves, mm. and uh, all of a sudden he's told, "You know, you're in the team, son." Uh, it was crazy because he 
apparently he was late because he um i'm not sure if he came on on the bus or in somebody's car but he had no concept of the the crowd uh and the traffic round right there because he'd been playing for scunthorpe <laughs> of course he, you strolled up at 10 to 3 and wandered in put yeah. your boots on <laughs> Uh, but he got away with it, obviously, and the rest, as I say, is uh, is history. I saw Kevin a couple of years ago. I hadn't seen him for ages. He turned up to Liverpool uh, when we were playing United, probably about three years ago now, and I bumped into him in the corridor afterwards, and I said, you won't remember. I said, I started the same day as you. <laughs> and he smiled so very nice, and then he just went blank and he said, hang on you're still here. <laughs> and I said, yes, Kevin, but I think you did slightly better. Out of yeah. You got a full-time contract. <laughs> yes, yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, so obviously, George, you were you know, in the stands watching watching the game when uh, your wife basically made the greatest decision yeah. of your life for you, <laughs> besides yeah. you marrying her. Yeah. <laughs> um, but how did you start following the club? Uh, I was brought up as a Red. My family... Um, for various reasons, were, shall we say, old parents, and all my relations were older than your average family, and their they, their history went back to Liverpool docks. Mm. Uh, I mean, my uncle's wife um, had a, a tobacconist shop in Great Howard Street, right? And we're talking about after the war, before I started school. I started school in 1951. I have to go and have a lie down from here now. I've just said that <laughs> a long time ago. But um, I used to go down there, and she had a always had a bar of chocolate off ration for me, which is good. Wow. But in those days, you know, back in the early 1900s, people don't believe me now, but Liverpool was like Glasgow. If you were a Catholic, you followed Everton. Right. And if you weren't, you followed Liverpool. There's no ifs, buts, or maybe. Wow. Um, so we were a Protestant family, obviously, and that was it. You were a red, and my dad was a big strapping centre forward. He had a trial at Anfield in 1923. Wow! When he was 14, uh, didn't quite make it, but he played football and he boxed. But he was a, a regular on the cop from that time on mm. to you know, till he could. Uh, he was very ill and couldn't go anymore. In, yeah, in the 60s, right. So uh, that was it. I was uh, I was indoctrinated. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> do you remember your first game? Hmm? Do you remember your first game? I do. Um, my dad uh, only once took me to Anfield. His attitude was that was his department, and I did what young boys wanted to do. We yeah. were going to I'll stand on the cop with him. And when I was just about to turn fourteen, uh, I managed to get tickets to Anfield to watch Liverpool play United in the Cup. Um, so that we're talking about January 1960 now. And uh, that was my first game. I, we got beat 3-1, but that was in the days when we were in the second division. Yeah, of course, yeah. And United were the bee's knees, yeah. Bobby Charlton and that era. But that was my introduction. And then I gradually started going week in, week out. Mm. I never went in the boys' pen. I went straight uh, oh, okay. to the Cup. Yeah, uh, for whatever I can't. I'm really thinking that far back. I, there was never an option. I don't know why. Uh, so I stood on the cot, you know, for several years. Then I had a season ticket in the paddock for two years, 
and then after that I've got the best season I have you certainly yeah. have you certainly have talking about that seat George if we just go to your match day duties now obviously you are the stadium announcer but you also the club's DJ as well yeah. which a lot of people sort of forget um, oh they do you yeah. know they just think you just press a button and then that's it um, but obviously me and Mick are regulars at Anfield anyway so you know we, there's a lot of people that enjoy your music and me especially because I think some of the, the variations that you play is, is really good for, for everybody's musical yeah. taste you know but what I want to know is, you know, does the playlist depend on who, who we're playing or whether it's a Champions League game or if it's a Premier League game, you know, is your playlist more of a, a pumping one if we've got to play United at home? Or? It's, it can be. Um, generally speaking, I like to get the atmosphere going if I can. It's much more difficult now because since 1994, mm. we don't get the crowd in early. You of know, course, people, yeah. Everybody's coming to Anfield. Uh, on a cold night, they've got a ticket. They know they're going to get in. They know where they're going to sit. Yeah. They don't have to get out the about cold. It. Mm. Uh, whereas when I started in the early 70s, um, and when, when Leeds were our big rivals, more than once I'd turn up to Anfield at sort of half 12 on the Saturday afternoon for a three o'clock kickoff. And all the standing areas were full. Wow. Gates locked. Yeah. Two and a half hours before kickoff. I mean, I'd slump back into my chair at three o'clock, <laughs> absolutely exhausted. Yeah. Just the row and the, you know, the the pressure of getting everything done. But nowadays, I I, I try and get the atmosphere going, but it's it, you've got to get you've got to make it loud mm. uh, again, which can cause complications. Again, the, the thing lately is TV companies. Uh, asking me to turn the music down, which really annoys me. I can imagine. I my attitude is this is a football ground, not a TV studio. Yeah, first and foremost. If I went mm. in your studio and started jumping up and down and shouting in the corner, you get pissy uppity. Yeah, you'd throw me out. Absolutely. He yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't say you. Know, uh, we'll just tone down the conversation. <laughs> so that's a that's a bit of a pain. But generally speaking, the big European occasions, the thing has always been to get tub thumping music going and get it louder and louder as kickoff yeah. approaches. Yeah. So that by the time kickoff's there, you know, the the place is you know really rocking. Um and it most by and large touch wood, it works. Mm. You know, when everything falls into place, um you know the if if we win the game, if we if we score early, or if there's an incident earlier on, you know, like uh, a sending off or a should have been sending off, yeah, uh, something to get the cock riled, that will generate an atmosphere, and and, and then it'll it, after that it gets louder on its own. It's you know the atmosphere at Anfield is a, is a creature all of its of own. Of course, yeah. yeah. And is it is it yourself that picks all the tracks and all that oh, sort yeah, of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Cause imagine you've got such a eclectic music taste as well yeah well i have i mean it comes back to being an only child and sitting in the bedroom with the uh, the dance set record player as a teenager <laughs> i've got very 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 broad tastes there are some things that um i like i wouldn't play at anfield in a million years because yeah. they're too quiet um or they means things to me and wouldn't mean anything to anybody else mm. um I get sent a lot of stuff nowadays from local bands. Um, Touchwood, 
for whatever reason, the stuff I've been getting recently has been fantastic. There was a spell in the eighties when everybody had a cassette player. Yeah, and suddenly at that, uh, I've forgotten the name of the band, the Corner Shop. They recorded a number one single. In fact, it wasn't they; it was a bloke mm. in his bedroom with a single cassette player, and it got to number one. Wow. And after that, everybody else thought they could do the same, <laughs> and they couldn't. Got him yeah, They them. really couldn't. <laughs> I, I, I got to know John Peel very well before he died, and I remember saying to his his wife Sheila uh, a while afterwards, I said, "I'm getting like John. I get all these cassettes sent to me." Yeah. And uh, you know, CD demos and whatever, and I'll, I'll go through a pile and I'll very quickly segregate them. You know, that's rubbish. Mm. That's going in the bin. That's fantastic. <laughs> that's good, but it won't sound good at Anfield. Right. You know, if you get some acoustic stuff with no yeah, no bass line on it, you get lost. And uh, yeah. there are one or two things that you have to play which are acoustic. And the, I'm thinking of Ale 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 yeah. at the moment, which is you know uh, only Jamie Webster and his guitar, mm. which you know they all uh, go for. But by and large, that's that's the trick. And uh, you, I say I I am paranoid about encouraging local talent uh, for several reasons. Mainly going back to my childhood when I was twelve. I uh, at school the rules were that if it was raining at dinner time. You got a book and went and sat in the big hall. Right. My mate and I thought, blow that for a game. We used to slope <laughs> off downstairs to the basement and watch these big boys practicing their guitar chords. Uh, one was called George Harrison. <laughs> another guy called Paul McCartney. I don't know what ever happened to him. Yeah. Wow. And a few other people of that ilk. And, <laughs> you know, obviously, I can remember that. They were young lads. You know, bought a guitar. That is unreal. And this is what happens to these fellas. You know, they with a bit of encouragement. And yeah. Well, over the years, there's a few bands I'm really proud of. Strange Relate, Atomic Kitten. Of course, yeah. Were, you know, <laughs> made their first appearance anywhere at Anfield, mm. um, which was hilarious. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, bands like the Zootons and the mm. Coddle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Course, I was yeah. the first person to play them anywhere big. Yeah. And um, who was it? The teardrop explodes. Told somebody at the BBC they owed their career to me. Wow! I'm not entirely sure that's true, but I'll take. You'll take it, it wouldn't yeah. you? Of course you would, yeah. <laughs> As will you. And that's the thing, you know. You've got so many famous yeah. bands like the Beatles, Jerry and the Pagemakers, the Zootons. People forget about Dead or Alive. Frankie goes yeah. to Hollywood. Yeah. You know, oh, well, Frankie. Got... I mean, um, Lightning Seeds is another. I'm, one. <laughs> I'm still in. It, Still in touch. I got an email the other night from Holly Johnson because somebody had told him I've played Welcome to the Pleasure Don't a couple of times yeah. lately. And uh, that's weird or something like that email you. But uh, I'm quite pally with Nasha, the guitarist, yeah. Frankie. And he's actually he's doing a charity record at the moment, which he's supposed to be passing over to me before Christmas to get me you or know, get it plugged. Mm. But I say people like that when you, you're holding conversations with them and uh, you know. Nash has been around to my house a couple of times. I sit there and I think, you know, this is a superstar and he's in my front room. You know, this yeah. Is, this is crazy. You know. <laughs> um, but um, um, does With the music scene, obviously, with the, the, the new bands and stuff like that, is it is it still something that you'd like to do more of or is it just think you just back away from it now? No, it's, it is. Um, 
it's changed my obviously i'm getting older and mellowing out uh and i find nowadays i'm listening to a lot more quieter stuff mm. um you may or may not know there's a there's quite a big country music scene coming up again around liverpool there's a lot of girl singers strange one or two blokes but mostly women who are singing you know nashville songs yeah and the, the two or three of them are absolutely out of this world um again one or two of them i played the their first record there's a, there's a thing on uh, granada tv recently a girl called megan louise uh, they interviewed her on Granada Report and they showed a video clip of her sitting in the main stand and I'm playing her, her first ever CD in wow. the background. Yeah, I've seen that and, um, yeah, I mean, she's yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she yeah. really is. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, she's only, well, she's just turned 17 now. And uh, Again, a girl called Laura Oakes from Heighton. Mm. I compared her first gig uh, at the Zanzibar a few years. Um, she was bottom of the bill, but I have to be doing a favour for somebody that mm. night and um I thought, blimey, this yeah. is gone. She's she's making a, you know, a a steady good living. She's not a big star but she's gonna do well. Uh, guys like Robert Vincent, another one. He's been flitting backwards and forwards to Nashville lately and um you know he's he doesn't he's not doing the huge gigs but he's he's selling out where he goes. Yeah. And he's good. And uh, people say to me, Oh thank you for playing this I said, No you churn out the good stuff. And of course, yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah. It does me a part of good as well. You know, mm. but, yeah. um, I, I mean, if I could you know, if I think about it for a day or two, I could write down a long, long list of, of people who are sending me stuff. And I, sometimes it's hard to squeeze it all in. Of course, yeah. But as you say, people don't realise sometimes I actually play all this music. There was, mm. there was a guy a couple of years ago, I forgot the fellow's name, but he emailed me out the blue he said I'm managing this band would you like to have a listen to the first single I said yeah you know send it over mp3 I'll listen to that good that it's you know rock music big you know big sound to it that'll go down well as I'm feeling mm. I said oh yeah I'll put it on my playlist and he said when are you playing it I said I'll play it next Saturday great I did I follow him Monday uh, I get this really nasty email from the guy. I thought you were going to play our band. I said, well, it did. He said, well, I sat there right through half-time and I didn't hear it. And I said, well, you wouldn't because I played yeah, it at 23. Yeah. I've been playing music <laughs> for two hours before kick-off yeah. Yeah. when you were in the in the pub. <laughs> and I uh, never heard back from him. But I, I, I thought, this is, this is a common thing. People yeah. haven't a clue what I did. I mean... Years ago, when my my youngest son, who's forty five now, sorry forty four, he was going out one night, mm. Saturday night, to a gig in Manchester. I said, "Who are you going to see?" Oh, he said, "Nobody you ever heard of." I said, "Go and try me." <laughs> he said, uh, "Lemon Jelly." I said, oh, "I've I've dug in my bag. I've got the the demo of the, <laughs> the latest singers. I've been playing this for the last six weeks. Again, if you'd bother getting out the pub, of course you'd hear him. He, he was brilliant, my younger lad. He'd, he'd go to the Abbey, the other side of uh, Stanley Park, and he'd fall into a seat just when you never walk alone started mm. every week. I never I don't yeah. know he did it, but he did it. <laughs> so that that taught him a bit of a lesson as well. But it's a it's a popular misconception that you know I just turn up. 
put a you never walk alone on put my mm. feet on I wish <laughs> yeah exactly absolutely I mean the other three misconceptions are one I get 100 grand a week like the players <laughs> two I get 500 free tickets every week and three I'm bosom pals with Jürgen Klopp yeah nah. nah I wish you've only got a full time contract <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that, that's the other one um so how's your role as the DJ's changed over the years? Because obviously from where we are now as a society and technology, everything's right. all MP3 based, it's all digital. Yeah. And obviously you've been through the mill with, with vinyls, with tapes, yeah. with CDs. So, I mean, are you still carrying around the big silver briefcase? Uh, no. <laughs> I've still got it at home. Um, <laughs> but I keep, I've stashed that away with my little treasure trove. I've got lots yeah. of CDs that sign and so on. I mean, you the credits and that mm. sort of thing. But nowadays, I, I've changed my whole tactic. Obviously, I don't work full-time anymore. When I had a nine-to-five job, what I quite often do, I'd be go home at lunchtime, grab a few compilation CDs, put them in that silver case you're talking about, and waltz it off to Anfield after work. Now, between games, I'm downloading stuff. Mm. I'm retrieving stuff from my CD shelves, and during, if if you're lucky, you've got two weeks between between a game. I'll be downloading a track at the time, so that by the time the match is due, I've got a, a uh, enough to keep. I sort of record three or four hours worth mm. uh, on a memory stick or two duplicate memory sticks, just in case. Just in case, yeah. And um, take them off to Anfield and, and pick and choose as the night goes on. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm paranoid about having backups of everything. Again, at Anfield, in my little room there, I've got a pile of compilation CDs just in case. Just in case technology sticks. fails us. <laughs> I've had, I mean, I had one memory stick crack in, inside the, the USB port on oh. the there, and there was a classic occasion. I was on my way to Anfield. I went out early because uh, I needed to clean all the dog hairs out in the car, so I stopped at the <laughs> local garage, who would have, and the memory stick disappeared up the tube. Oh, no. So I, that's what I said, something like that. <laughs> and, uh, oh, gosh, what a shame. Yeah. <laughs> but um, obviously I still had the one backup, so that was that was handy. Oh, gosh. But, but that's, that's, um, is, it, is, is life easy for you these days with all the digital stuff, obviously? It of... is, yeah. Uh, the, the complication comes when... Um, people say to me when I'm just about to leave for Anfield um, any chance you could play so and so today because he's at the match oh, and, and then so you're like you told just, me yesterday yeah, uh, but I'll sometimes I can get away with that um, mm. and I, if I can I will. but I have quite a lot lately I've had to uh, email people said look I'm actually at Anfield you're asking me to play something I've got on a CD at home. Mm. I can't do it. I physically cannot do it. But then the other side of that coin, last October, Red Star game, I got to Anfield, parked up. I've just turned my engine off, and I got a phone call from Elvis Costello's manager. Wow. He said, I'm bringing Elvis to the game tonight. Any chance you can play one of his tracks? I don't if you told me even an hour ago, I could have, yeah. I said, don't worry about that. I've got his new CD in my pocket. <laughs> right, okay. Brilliant. I said, Where are you? I said, I'm by the Shankly Gates. Ten minutes later, he walks up the road. There it the is. The new CD. They are. There's the good, the best tracks. Brilliant. And then another five minutes, Elvis turns up. So I'm 
Yeah, I was there. I was actually late getting in. I was hadn't wow. seen Elvis for about fifteen years, and I mm. think that was, he was. Um, but that was that was fantastic. He's he's a lovely bloke, and um, that night I was chatting to him. I, I impressed him twice over. First of all, I remember his dad being on telly in the fifties. Yeah. He said, you're not old enough. I said, I am, sadly. <laughs> and, and the other thing, I'm a big fan, I'm a huge fan of his wife, Diana Krall. I don't know if you know the woman. Right. Um, she's a huge star on the other side of the Atlantic. Oh, wow. Um, she's a jazz pianist. But I've been a fan of hers since before he'd ever heard of her. Mm. Uh, and by coincidence, an old school friend of mine lived in the same town in Vancouver Island where she came from. And he was sending me messages. Have you heard this girl? She's brilliant. And now um, she was supposed to be coming to the Red Star game. Because I said to him, for the first two years after he married her, I was carrying one of, at least one of her CDs with me <laughs> on the off chance he'd bring up the match. And he never did. Um, but he brought her to the Napoli game after that. I got yeah. to meet her and whatever. Um, and... Uh, the reason she couldn't come to the Red Star game was because she was touring America with Tony Bennett, you know, who'd just done a duet album yeah. with her. She's up at that level. You know, she's a monumental star over there. Right. But um, So I'll say I got to meet the woman at long last, which is fantastic. <laughs> and then this year, um, you know, the, the end of that story is I got a call from his manager. So Elvis was 65 on the day of the Arsenal game. And... Can you help? I said, what? Not <laughs> what do you want now? <laughs> um, I said, how many of you are coming? He said, there's five of us, me, Elvis, Diana and the two kids. <clears throat> oh, I said, was, then I thought, no, there's only one thing to do. This is grovel to Peter Moore. And Peter did the trick. He had them special guests. Super. Uh, Elvis got a big signed shirt, the whole squad. Wow. The biggest birthday cake you ever is bigger than you. <laughs> I'm not even and after the game, I went in to just say hello, and Elvis and his wife were both all over me. I said, "I'm so, you know, so thank you, so, thank you so much Brilliant for doing that. this." And I said, "That's great." You know, I've, I said, "I thought Diana was wonderful for twenty years. Now she thinks I'm wonderful. <laughs> I, I can die." That's sort of yeah, yeah. yeah. starstruck. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but as I say, that's I build stuff. It's a great story that yeah, though. I build stuff over a period between games. And I get, you know, people will send me stuff. Uh, I, I'm, a promo company in London sends me uh, a lot of good stuff. They've, they've, over the years, have acquired a lot of big artists um, who are, you know, big, I mean, Coldplay, that sort of level. And I'll hear stuff on the radio. I might, I'll be out driving on my easel prick. I'll stop and write a, a title down. I say, I haven't heard that for years. That would go down well. Mm. And then... Other things like TV commercials resurrect old tunes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So that's good. You know, um, love that. I love Bang that, that I love that in. And, and by the time I get to a, a match, I've got quite a yeah. you know, quite a good playlist going. Because you've got your, um, your your set ones as well, haven't you? So yeah. whatever we're chanting on the, in the stands, like oh, you yeah. know, James, sit down. Um, you know, for for Salah's song, and you've done it in the past as well. You know, with Depeche Mode for Suarez yeah, well, and stuff uh, like that. What I find is. If I put something on thinking the couple sing along, they don't. 
<laughs> but then about 20 minutes into the game, they'll start singing yeah. it or the following match. Right. Yeah. And I, I just, there's just no way of telling her. If somebody had said to me, we fancy a sing song today, mm. so <laughs> I will. Well, that's no... it. I mean, I, I could have sworn at one point you, you played Abba Voulez Vu because of the Sadio Mane song for the yeah. Madrid. Oh, and yes. it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, um, but what I love about the half time, George, is the tracks that you play at half time. I love uh, Cashmere by Led yeah. Zeppelin. And obviously, it's a it's the instrumental version from yeah. the one that Jimmy Page released in the nineties with Puff Daddy. Yeah. I can understand why you play that. Is yeah. this because it is? It's quite atmospheric. Isn't yeah, it? very atmospheric. The reason I started playing was somebody from Radio City um, turned up one day. They they burned a, uh, a part of the track, the instrumental part. Mm. So I have a listen to this, and I thought that's that's good for building, you know building a bit of an atmosphere and I put it on then I'd use that CDR for a while then I finally downloaded the full Monty the whole instrumental track yeah. which you've got now and of course things like that uh, and Tower of Strength by The Mission mm. and one or two other tracks are priceless they go on for about eight minutes Yeah. so if there's a problem you need to sort out you don't need to be flashing backwards and forwards to the CD deck mm. put one of them on and Again, like um, the Derby match last night, the, there was a problem with the timing of this presentation before the game. The other, they had uh, people on the pitch, and we would, we were going to be a minute or maybe a thirty seconds out. Mm. So you put the mission on five minutes before this is going to happen, and you can't have any dead air. Of course, yeah. You just let it let it roll and turn it off when the time or fade it when the time comes. That touch wood that usually does the trick. Absolutely, yeah. Well, it works really well. I mean, I, yeah. you know, you you stood there at half time and then you've got the instrumental, the cashmere playing, yeah. and it's like you said, it's so atmospheric, and you think, yeah. right, we're going to get into these in the second half. It's yeah. it's well, brilliant. I, I think I know. I I try and vary it a bit, but people again, Tower of Strength. Somebody suggested to me a while ago. And believe it or not, I'm in touch with Wayne Hussey from The Mission, mm. who lives in uh, Brazil now for some wow. reason. I've never found out why. Yeah. But he does come to the match, and he, he listens and watches back home in Brazil. And he's chuffed a bit that I played. But um, a lot of people have taken to that. And they said, that's, that's brilliant. It's really good tub-thumping stuff. And mm. then uh, I, I try and vary it, because if I play that every week, it'll lose its effect. Yeah. Um, I, I mean... It was about a month ago, my wife and I were out driving somewhere. We were listening to Desert Island Discs, of all things, mm. on the radio, which sometimes is awful and sometimes is really enlightening. You know, yeah. The, um, and this, this guy, he was a real sort of um, dour civil servant, you know, or scientist or something. And mm. he, he picked a, a track called uh, hold that sucker down by the OT quartet. I have never heard of that. Nope, never heard it in myself. my life. <laughs> and this was again, this was real old-fashioned rave stroke house. Mm. Eight minutes worth. I thought I'll have, have that. Write that down. That song, yeah. <laughs> and uh, again, did the trick and played that. And um, so it goes on. Good. The um, you know the when you've got to play the Premier League anthem and the Champions yeah. League anthem. Yes. How does the two competitions sort of differ? Because I can, I could probably think it probably winds you up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, you never walk alone. Was always played right after the announcement of the teams. Yeah. 
Then Rafa decided one day it'd be better if we played it when the teams were actually out on the pitch. Okay. Um, I I wasn't happy because well I'm just a traditionalist. I was quite happy with the way things were, but that was fine. Do what Rafa says, put it out when it, the other teams are out. Then the handshake anthem turns up from the Premier League. Yeah. And now I get a running order. And the, the rule is that as soon as they start shaking hands, bang that on. Yeah. As soon as the last handshake has happened, bang, you never walk alone on. Which is fine. So the first season they did it, about three times the teams came out late. Oh, no. And um, I got shouted at because you never walk alone was still going on when the referee wanted to, to blow the whistle. Mm. And I said, don't be shouting at me. I've got a running order here. I stick to it or try to. You know, the handshake anthem runs for 43 seconds. Uh, you never walk alone runs for 2 minutes, 38 seconds. That is three and a bit minutes. Mm. Yeah. So the two teams only stroll out three minutes before kickoff. So of course, going over them, yeah. The first time it happened, I thought I'll get lynched if I don't play. You never walk alone. So Absolutely. I played the champion, the uh, handshake anthem. I got all sorts of relate, <sighs> and that's when I said, "Sorry, yeah, but I can work medical." Sometimes, uh, if it's going on, the referees will hold fire before them. But nowadays, yeah. everything's time for the TV people. Yeah, they don't. Um, so that's we're we're fine. I touch wood that that's been fine lately. Yeah. But when it comes to the European games, again, the last thing on the pitch must be the Champions League anthem. Now they've got, they've got their own walk-on anthem. Mm. So we play. Uh, you never walk alone at a uh, an exact time. Um, before all that happens, and it, again, it's fine. I get a running order. Champions League at time to chunks of about twenty seconds. Yeah. So you know, I I sit here looking at my watch, and that's a second <laughs> bang on. You never walk alone. But then, the rule about the Champions League anthem is, it as soon as the last player is standing to attention, mm. facing, of course, the director's yeah. box. That's yeah. when you bang that on. Right. Not to do the time. Because I know I got dragged into a UEFA meeting. 10 years ago maybe when uh, it had come on late and I got dragged in and sat down you know people around the table to give me a good kick in and I said right it's come to our attention you played the Champion League anthem late <laughs> I said that's right <laughs> oh you admitted I said you have nothing to admit I said the rule is stand to attention rah, 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 that's when it goes on yeah. I said that's what the rule was issued by UEFA 30 years ago yeah. when I was here and you all weren't <laughs> and that's what you know and nothing's changed mm. and as it happened it was Pepe Reina was in goal and he was a beggar because he'd, every match he'd be the last one out yeah. he'd jog across and he'd stop and look around for his wife and kids in the stand mm. give them a wave and then carry on to where he was supposed to be so you always added, you know, twenty seconds. Of course, the, yeah. yeah. And that was the same that night. I mean, if you heard what I was calling him, goodness sake, get a move on! And, and, but as soon as he stood to attention, I banged the, the music on, yeah. mm. and I did it right. 
and I was, and I, I think they realised that you know, I was, I was actually taught. Ah, good for you. Uh, knew what I was doing. So. <laughs> like you said, you've been there a lot longer than they had. <laughs> yeah, I've been there a lot longer than everybody did. Yeah. Um. Obviously, we we touched on you'll never walk alone there. Yeah. Um. You've you've been playing it for for forty nine season mm. season. Does it still give you goosebumps? Absolutely. Every yeah. time, hairs on the back of the neck. If it comes on in the car, a mouth in the car, it'll still do the same. Yeah. Um, it's, always will. It's, it's so famous because we, you know, I know it doesn't happen a lot domestically these days. But when we we are on a European night, the away fans are in awe yeah, of it, aren't they? Because yeah, it is so yeah. unique. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I think for everybody, doesn't it? Every time you hear it, it's it brings back so many. Oh, absolutely. What I mean, and it means so much for so many different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you're well. There's a German movie called You Never Walk Alone, which is actually the history of the song. Ah. You can only get it on Amazon Deutschland at the moment. I, yeah. I mean, I've been trying to persuade them to release it over here. They had a premiere, in fact, in Liverpool uh, when it came out a couple of years ago, but uh, at the moment it's still only on DVD. And um, that's an amazing film, but it, it takes the history right back further than I ever thought. I know when mm. I first got dragged in to talk to the producers, they asked me the same question, where do you think Never Walk Alone comes from? And everybody's so Carousel. Carousel, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a long time, it was about 40 years history before that. Wow. Because the, the play um, was written by a, uh, an Austrian playwright. That's right, yeah. He moved to Germany where... The, there were bigger theatres and whatever. Just before the war, he got out of Germany because he was Jewish, went to America. Rogers and Hammerstein offered him all sorts of money for the rights of this thing. And he said, no, I'm not having my play turned into a musical. Mm. After the war, it came back to him, by which time he was on his uppers, made him the offer he couldn't refuse, bought the play, turned it into <laughs> Carousel. And that's, that's there we it go. started. So it's, quite a, it's, it's an amazing history. And of course, it's spread back the other way to, you know, uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund mm -hmm. singing before every game. Yeah, uh, Celtic. Uh, Celtic, you know, um, FC20 in mm. Holland. Uh, one, of the, one of the Italian teams do it as well. Oh, it's, I didn't know that. I'm trying to remember which one. I should know, but I don't. And it's and then you go you go on tour to Australia and it's louder than it's ever been. Of course, yeah. It's crazy. What's the best rendition you've ever had? Well, the... the the best rendition I can remember, I, well, I used to say it was after the... Um, the Barcelona the, uh, game. Well, yeah, I used to say it was the Chelsea, 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 Chelsea game. Oh, Chelsea game, yeah, sorry. Yeah, 2005. Yeah. Because if you actually Google the best rendition of You Never Walk Alone, that quite often comes up. And yeah. if you watch the whole mm. thing, it's hilarious because there's a bit where I'm... Uh, announcing the six minutes at a time. <laughs> and Rafa and Jose Mourinho going mental for different reasons. <laughs> and then when we get through, I bang you never walk alone straight on. Yeah. And again, at the end of that, I'm giving a speech. I just lost it by then. I was I actually had to turn my on saying that I've been coming here for God knows how long and this is the best atmosphere ever. Amazing. But yeah. Barcelona this year topped that yeah. quite some distance. Again, the way it worked out that but you never walk alone on at the end, and the team lined up and joined in. Yeah, it's just yeah. you can't rehearse yeah. that, can no. you? You can't and, plan that. Uh, the other unreal. thing I say about that night, my 
uh, my room was actually shaking that night. Mm. I'd never done that before. Wow. Sometimes you get people in the um, cop end of the Kenny Dogley stand stamping their feet and whatever, and there was a bit of a noise, but that night the building was physically moving. I was I was worried for a while. We obviously, we got through. Yeah. I've never known anything like it. But again, circumstances, everything fell into place. You know, we turned up missing three star players, mm, three yeah. nil down to the best team on earth. Yeah. And then uh, Divic scores early doors, and we're thinking, hang on. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we're at Anfield under the lights. This That's could happen right, again. Yeah. And then it, two nil. And then, you know, after that, he just, it was like a steamroller. Yeah. But having, again, Liverpool, you were 4 nil up and you still think they only have to sneak one. That's it, yeah. It's all dead in the water, but we didn't. And uh, there you go. Um, so would you say that was the best atmosphere? Yeah, I mean, obviously you've been there for St Etienne <laughs> yeah. and yeah. the Chelsea game, but that's definitely the one now. That's overtook Absolutely. everything. Yeah. Amazing. Um, with... With obviously the managers that have been at the, at the ground for over the years, um, have you got any like funny stories like the way, the change that they've made that has affected your job role? Well, I don't think tr- really and truly it's affected my job role simply because they have nothing to do with what I go what I get up to. Mm. Uh, I get feedback once in a while, but not lately. Yeah, um, it's because they trust you. Eh? It's because they trust well, you. Like yeah. you said about Rafa changing. It, well, it, yeah, Rafa changing the time of you never walk alone was yeah. a, a minor hiccup. Yeah, but he didn't affect what I play before that. So yeah, uh, of course, yeah. I, I, well, I mean, nowadays um, I've still actually to prove what Rafa, um, sorry, Jurgen actually likes. On you know, he keep hearing about this heavy metal stuff he likes. And He's then, got good taste with heavy metal. Hmm? I need to educate you with heavy metal. It's <laughs> awesome. But he, um, you know, I, I asked somebody from Kicker magazine in Germany. I think they they interviewed him and they interviewed me uh, for the same copy of the magazine. Yeah. about five years ago, and I said, "Do you you spoke to him? What does he actually like?" And they came back with. All we know is he was spotted one night coming out of a concert by a girl called Helene Fisher, and she is no rock rock chick. Yeah, she's probably the German equivalent of Paloma Face. Right. Like okay. Um, <laughs> so I'm thinking, you know, maybe not. But, <laughs> but that's it. I mean, but um, I was telling somebody the other night when Jurgen turned up, his first home game was against was it Ruben Kazan in the. Uh, probably the Euro, Europa League, and mm. I I collared him after the game. I just happened to see him going past, and I, I said, "Excuse me, I'd just like to introduce myself." And I got as far as I'm George, and I held my hand out, and he looked at me, and his eyes lit up. Said, "Oh yes, you was the famous voice of Anfield." And <laughs> <laughs> I, I very nearly passed out. <laughs> I'm not I believe it, but yeah. I mean, when he gone, one of the stewards, the full time stewards, there said. That guy's been here a week and he knows everybody. Yeah. Not just the staff, players, tea lady, the office cat, stewards. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's you know, uh, that's the way he is. And that, yeah. that's why everybody loves him. Cause of he's, course. He's just such a bundle of uh, 
Wimbledon, Dynamo, he's fantastic. I think that's why he's fitting so perfectly as well. Like you said, like he ingratiates, ingratiates himself into the, yeah. the club so much well, that from from the from from the go that he's, yeah. he's already part of the club. So. I had a, a funny experience on Friday night last. I was doing a function at the hotel tier um, to celebrate the 60th anniversary of Shanks coming, mm. and you know everybody has a Shankly story to tell. I tell, but. His, his granddaughter was there and I was a bit nervous but I was saying that was really the last time I got here in Lumber with one of the managers. He, we had a youth cup match, mid-70s, yeah. early 70s, when Leeds were top of the league and we were chasing them. Huddersfield Town were bottom of the league. During the first half, uh, Peter Robinson rang through to say, um, just heard that Huddersfield are beating Leeds 1-0 at Ellen Road. It was sensational. You know, so <laughs> he said, if you get a break in play, give the score out. So I did. There was a big cheer. <laughs> Halfway through the second <laughs> half, Peter rings me back. He said, Leeds are 3-1 up now. In the interest of fairness and balance and all, you better give that score out when there's a break in play. So I did. When I got downstairs afterwards... Uh, on my way home, the girl on reception said, Leg it. <laughs> Shanks is after you. Apparently, he was run, wandering the corridors looking for me. Hey, where is he? I'll kill him. He ruined the atmosphere. Ruined the atmosphere. Where is he? I'll kill him. Christ. And uh, I, I did. I, I, you'd be amazed how fast I got back to my <laughs> But, uh, Did he ever get you eventually? No, three days later we had a oh, Saturday God. afternoon game. I turned up, first person I saw, Shanks, and I thought, I'm dead. I just <laughs> turned around, looked at it, said, morning, son. And that was it. <laughs> End up. Got away with that one. <laughs> yeah, but uh, oh, he's, he was fantastic. I mean, the the likenesses you know, between the two, they're, they're both human dynamos, basically. I just... Uh, I say about Jürgen, when he retires from Liverpool, I should yeah. just plug him into the national grid. Shout that. Yeah, <laughs> I think, um, like you said, with the managers over the years, there's there's something different about the club now with Klopp, yeah. isn't there? And yeah. you know, I suppose for yourself because you are. I mean, are you, George, are you the longest serving employee at Anfield? In theory, except I'm not an employee. Yeah. I'm only casual labour. <laughs> still can't believe that. <laughs> yeah. so if you don't believe me, I'll bring a pay slip. The yeah. <laughs> thing yeah, is, if I, they offered it, would you change it? Because I wouldn't change it now. I'd just be like, no, I'm sticking oh, away. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I know and nowadays I get um, paid by email, but when the, I used to get a, uh, a pay slip through the post, mm. my postman would fall about laughing every week. About this <laughs> thing. And, you know, uh, George Sefton, the address on the... Uh, and on, in brackets, casual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure it can stand uh, up in the court of law, but I'll no. just try it. Oh, it's funny <laughs> though. It's brilliant. Um, so as a casual worker at Anfield, um, yeah. the, we touched on the Barcelona, but are there any other moments that have stood out for you? Obviously, we touched on Barcelona and Chelsea. But... Yeah, I mean, they're the ones that, that stand out, you know, the big nights. And sometimes when I, you know, um, actually, the... The semi-final against Chelsea two years later, when the, we ended up in uh, Athens. Oh, the penalties one. Uh, yeah, that was. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah. uh, that was when Hicks and Gillette were in charge, mm-hmm. and I know I went downstairs afterwards, you know, standing in reception, and George Gillette came up to. Me. I'd never spoken to the guy. Yeah. And he's thump, you know, pumping my hand. Oh, 
you did a great job tonight, George, of building the atmosphere. It was brilliant. Fantastic. Thought, yeah. said, Thank you. That's yeah. Uh, I'll say I, I hadn't a clue he knew who I was, but mm. the following mm. day somebody said, you know, he's he's boned up, he really knows what's, you know, he thinks he knows what's going on. Mm. He's memorised, he still doesn't, doesn't understand the ethos. Yeah. But he knew what's going yeah. on. And then... Um, not long after that, we had our we have our school reunion dinner at Anfield every uh, every year, and I was at the bar before the meal, and somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, "There's somebody who wants to speak to you." And I turned around; it was George Gillette, and I looked, down, and then everybody falls about laughing. It's not George Gillette; it's a guy who went to our school, who was the absolute. Spitting in George, <laughs> and he was saying that for a while after FSG took over, yeah, he had a, he's got a season ticket in the main stand. He was treated like royalty. Wow! All the stewards, he, this this way, sir, he'll sit down. Then of course, when <laughs> they fell out of favour, he, he used to have to go with his hat pulled down over his face. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's things like that to stand, they stand out, out for you. Yeah. Again, I say that the whole what my time at Anfield boils down to is the people you meet along mm. the way um, you know the people I talk to who I had never in a million years have got to know if it hadn't been for my connections with yeah Liverpool. I mean last night I was chatting to David Morris he was in wow. the Kenny Dalsley standard again I've known David for a long time he was in the youth theatre at the area man a big Liverpool fan yeah he is yeah and um my granddaughter's 21 today, and I, he did a little video for her, mm. which you can imagine how that went down with her. She's <laughs> so chuffed. But he's, he's a lovely bloke. And, then, and again, a um, lot of musicians. Elvis Costello, obviously. Uh, Pete Wiley. I was on the video for Heart as Big as Liverpool, mm. which is, you know, if you can get older ones, it's a very, it's a very rare it video. It is, yeah. Yeah, it is. I'm on the... It's one of those things that so often you stand there thinking, what am I doing? Yeah, you have to pitch yourself type thing. Like you do. Mm. You have to stop and take a deep breath. And, <clears> and that, you know, how did I get here? Yeah. You know, <laughs> Thank, I, your wife. Eh? <laughs> Thank your wife. Thank your wife. Oh, yes. So she's, uh, <laughs> she, you know, she, she knows she's, she's starting to get bored with the story now. But she, she can't understand anybody showing their head above the parapet, really. So she... she she thinks I'm crackers sometimes. Some of the things I get up to, but I I think it's it's wonderful. I mean that you never walk alone film, uh, and Shankly Nature's Fire. I was in that as well. Yeah. Um, and seeing yourself on the big screen is is weird if you're not mm. in the business. But then um, I don't you know the international movie database online. I love IMDb. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Brilliant. Well, I'm in there. Well, <laughs> and I said, if you told me years ago. I'd be in there. I would have said you were crazy. Yeah. But then, you know, the trips out, you know, the trip to, uh, I mean, 95, the League Cup final at Wembley, I was out in the middle of the pitch with a mic and the local guy, a local announcer. Mm. And I said, I'm standing on the pitch at Wembley. Yeah. It's just... can't, you just can't buy experiences like that. Of course. But, um, well, that, that to be fair, that's a good, good thing to bring up because... I suppose you were brought down there because of the lo- lo- the locality and the familiar yeah. voice and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Does that happen, like, did that happen in Istanbul? Did that happen in... No, 
um, Istanbul. I I was taken to European finals starting in eighty one. Right. Seventy eight. I went to Wembley as a spectator. Um, eighty one. I was taken at UEFA's request because they'd had trouble there at the European final when Leeds played there six years earlier. Yeah. I think. So some bright spark decided it'd be a good idea to have a familiar voice on the PA. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was I was there. Uh, I got taken to Rome, and I got taken to the Heysel, uh, which was you know an experience and a half you can imagine. Yeah. Um, and I had I had murder getting in each time. Mm. It's a it was a trivia question on Talksport a few years ago. Uh, remember Lofty in EastEnders? Yeah, another, another good friend of mine. I, wow, he, he he messaged me this week. He just read the the piece in the on the Athletic website and mm. uh, reminded me that he he came up to Liverpool when Arsenal beat us just after, and he came up with the production team. He hadn't couldn't get a ticket, and he stood out on the old TV gantry. I was told to shut up and just sit in the corner and watch. And when Arsenal scored, he went ballistic. Right. And they were going to throw him out, but they didn't. They threw him into my room. <laughs> and we looked after him. And to that day, he still said, I saved his life. Which is wow. Amazing. But um, he went into talk sport one day. And um, he used to go and do a trivia quiz. And one of the questions was, who was it had a loaded gun pointed at him at three successive European Cup finals? And the presenter's sort of scratching his head, and the answer's me. Wow. Uh, because, you know, each time Paris, uh, Rome, and Brussels, I got in lumber with the, the local you know, people <laughs> trying to get me out. CRS in Paris. Wow. The Carabinieri in Rome. <laughs> and then uh, the local, there weren't many police at the Heysel, which was half the, the problem. Mm. But one of them was, uh, it was threatening me. If I was, I was told to say certain things which I refused to do yeah because I said we've already had 39 people killed if I do that they were talking about abandoning the game if somebody came on the pitch I said no because if if anybody uh, scores a goal the other lot will be on the pitch yeah there'll be a real bloodbath I'm not prepared to do that and the answer was do you're told and I said no at which point the gun appeared luckily Phil Neal appeared very shortly afterwards yeah and he laid into the the other people who were shouting at me, and that was the end of it. But uh, it's all part of the of course. games. Yeah, yeah. Yes. and then obviously, like so with Istanbul. I mean, I, you know, suddenly I wasn't wanted in Istanbul, right? Um, which I was really disappointed. Doesn't come close. You know. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, the the story was that UEFA decided they didn't want the stadium announcers anymore. Right, so they had people organised to do it, so I I didn't get there, and um, it, was, it was it was quite embarrassing on the day because I was wandering around work and people looking at me said, "Why aren't you in Istanbul?" I said, "You asked asked me." Yeah, yeah. Uh, you you tell me, but they never got any word. Two thousand and seven, my son and I went to Athens, but we made our own arrangements. I didn't, you know, give yeah, by then. Mm, yeah, yeah it's f- fair ride. enough. Well, it was a bit nice for you and your son to take that trip together. Yeah, because um, I think I, I I read somewhere that there was he wanted to go to Heisel with you, didn't he? 
Yeah, um, and then you, that, yeah, yeah, and he said, "Oh, we'll we'll go next yeah. year." Yeah. <laughs> then it was not and for another twenty odd years. years I know. <laughs> but so, no, I mean, it was it was sad the way it fell out. It was quite annoying. And then, yeah, in when we got to uh, Kiev, I was in actually I was in Dortmund for the UEFA Cup final in two thousand and one. That was that yeah. was good. That was a, again mm. UEFA wanted me there. But uh, I say four years later when we got to uh, Istanbul, I wasn't required anymore. And, um, but when we got to Kiev a couple of years ago, Madrid this year, you know, I had people coming up to me and showing bits of paper in my top pocket with their name on it. Have you seen any spare tickets? You let me know. Yeah. And I said, well, if I get to see a spare ticket, I'm having it. For me. Yeah. Well, you're going, of course. Oh, no. Yeah, no. it doesn't work like that, of course. Uh, no, yeah. it's not, just not the way it works. So Absolutely. I, I'm only a casual steward. <laughs> I don't get invited to these things. Yeah. You know. um, so, but just as well. Oh, the, the killer was that after Madrid this year, the following morning, my um, my wife wanted to go and see the parade, and so did I with her. But I can't walk very far nowadays. So I, we drove down to Allerton near the start. I, I know a couple of the back cracks there, parked up about you know, 20 yards from the edge of the pavement, watched yeah. them go past, and they went, came home. My daughter, well, my eldest son lives down in Crawley, so he wasn't coming. My daughter and her family went down to Peerhead, saw the parade. Now I found my other son who lives in Witness. I said, are you going, not going to the parade? He said, no. Sounded a bit sort of uh, deflated. I thought, well, why not? Mm. And uh, he said, because I'm going to play his party tonight. <laughs> I said, you what? <laughs> Just working on it. Is, wow. Know, a neighbour of his is on the staff. Yeah. Uh, married to a woman who's uh, died in the wall Evertonian who refuses to set foot inside. <laughs> so he had a spurt. <laughs> I mean, my son, God bless him, he's had a really rough couple of years. Yeah. And he was full of apology. I said, No, you go, you enjoy it, you deserve mm. a treat. Of course. And so at 10 o'clock that night, my phone starts pinging and picture of him draped round the cup and a picture of him draped round Jordan Henderson on Andy Robertson. Wow. Virgil. And then about 11 o'clock, I'm just going to bed and ping. <laughs> and one of him and uh, Jürgen who were bosom pals by them yeah <laughs> so, uh, that's but the thing he's probably telling the players who he is and they go oh yeah George he's a legend yeah. we love him and all that yeah, sort yeah. of stuff so I think so <laughs> yeah. but I can go and see him though so yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of obviously the, the many amazing players that have graced uh, Anfield if you could pick like your own sort of like five a side team have you ever, have oh. you ever thought about that I've never been asked to pick a five side team some people ask me for my favourite player and I always say the same thing you know I've got three kids you wouldn't ask me which is my favourite one absolutely yeah it's, it's the same yeah. principle local obviously Kenny is the standout person mm. in my time at, at Anfield um, not just because of the player he was but the you know, the way he is as a man, what he did after Hillsborough, of course. the way he conducted himself mm-hmm. throughout, the way he conducted himself when he got sacked the second time. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, apparently, you know, well, you've heard the story about him being very complimentary to me when I was 65. Yeah, indeed. And though I was out with my wife, my daughter and my son-in-law 
having a meal and my phone started going off and people were texting me saying, isn't it lovely what Kenny said? And I'm thinking, what did Kenny say? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody tell me. <laughs> and when I got home, I went up to my laptop and found it. And I, I was just speechless. I can Absolutely imagine. Yeah. speechless. Um, and I, I called my wife in and said, just watch this. And they said, right, you can shoot me now. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. Not, <laughs> can't get any better. I'm not going to get any better. <laughs> yeah. Really isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we won't pick the five aside then. Because we'll just have five Kennys for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we, you know, we've moved to the the present day now. Obviously, yeah. we've just come off the back of a five-two win against Everton, mm-hmm. top of the table, eight points clear. Um, midway through the season, obviously, we've all got to stay calm. Yeah. How are your nerves in that box? Uh, in a dreadful state. <laughs> Every week, I turn up thinking it's only another game. It's only Brighton. It's only Watford. Whatever. And every time I come home completely shredded yeah. yeah there's always something to and obviously the derby match was was crackers i thought we were going to end up nine aside <laughs> yeah when they when they scored when we were two and they up, i thought here we go and it to be fair to ever i don't like that but i'm going to be that they, <laughs> they, they looked like they were playing a bit you know um, yeah yeah and um yeah i thought they, they're going to they're yeah, gonna spoil things for us here, and then obviously my name missed a couple. Yeah, we we sh- uh, we should really, really have been streets ahead. Yeah, absolutely. We yeah, have had to worry. Mm. Um, but we, you know, again we did. Four two, we're all right. You're watching the clock winding down, and then we got number five. And I thought, right, we're all right. Calm down, then, yeah. <clears throat> but um, how are you feeling about the rest of the season? Well, the same. Even every match is going to be a cup final now. We just can't afford to let it slip. Yeah. Um, and now it's not just watching Liverpool with your your nerves jangling, your fingers crossed. And then you've got to put the TV on and watch City. Yeah. Uh, playing, hoping they throw stuff away. They have done once or twice, but now they're having a, a bit of a bad time. Um, Leicester are coming through. Yeah. And you know, you're thinking. <laughs> They're playing a bit. Although we have beaten them at Anfield, we've got to go there. We've mm. got to go to the Etihad. Mm. Um, Chelsea, I've been very impressed with since they've got into a bit of a groove. Um, I can't see them doing this this year, but I wish they'd all go away and leave us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. we just got to hope that the, the pack spread the points out amongst themselves. Mm. And you know, really and truly... Uh, I'd love us to, to win this World Club Championship. Oh, I, I, 100%. Yeah. It's a naughty competition. Oh, no, no, not at all. Champions of the world. Yeah. I yeah. don't care if you had to pay you know, a, a local boys team to win it. Champions it's a title, yeah, it's absolutely. Something we've never yeah. won. So. And I, I'm, I'm old enough to remember this, you know, having a bad time in that competition years ago. Mm. I mean, getting up the crack of dawn to watch us play uh, the Brazilians, 84. Well, it wasn't a crack of dawn. It was about four o'clock in the morning, or yeah. like and being so disappointed. Mm. And, but you, know, you don't get the chance very often. But I'd, we're taking a good squad out there, so hopefully yeah. oh, yeah, it means business. Oh, yeah. definitely. I think yeah. you, you know. You look at the the lads because obviously the lots of foreigners in the football teams these days. Yeah. They look at the Champions League and these t- titles as yeah. you've got to win one title to to yeah. get the other. So I agree with you, George. It's so important, and yeah. it, it, the squad says that. Um, but 
going forward, George, obviously 49 seasons now. Um, how many more do you see yourself doing the job? Are you going to round it off at 50 and then write a book again? Well, I'm writing a book. <laughs> oh, you um, are? I am. It's weird because after that thing in the, um, the Athletic the other day, I got a, a message from a publisher uh, in London, a very you know, upmarket publishing house. Said, have you ever thought of writing a book? I said, well, as it You happens, did? <laughs> well, I've, uh, I've, I wrote one 20 odd years ago, which you must have seen. Yeah. But, it's hard to get hold of that, though, George, isn't uh, it? It's very hard to get hold of. Right. I can find you. Uh, I said, the, the, uh, the unsigned ones are the rare ones. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sort them out, believe me. But um, I was approached by Peter Hooten from the farm, who introduced me to a literary agent. Who said you you know should get something together to coincide with the end of fifty years? Yeah. So I've got one hundred and ten thousand words down so far. Wow, so pretty good going. Yeah. Although it's going to get doctored slightly, but um, after this publisher got on to me, uh, I phoned up the agent and said, "This guy is interested. Um, why don't we square the circle? Do you look, I give you." his number and vice versa yeah yeah sure mm. so today they've been talking to each other so that makes me feel it's uh it's suddenly become much more of a realistic prospect oh, which fantastic. i'm quite looking forward to oh well um, absolutely i'll get to the end of 50 years next year hook of i crook unless i actually you know drop down dead let's touch wood then let's just touch wood <laughs> um but I mean, I, I my prophecy, my the, my wife will find me dead in the chair one morning, clutching the winning lottery ticket. It's, it's, it's just the way my luck goes. Or you can't, or your full time no, contract I, at Anfield. I, I can't go walk off before the end of fifty seasons. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm getting getting on a bit. Uh, now I'm not certainly not in athletic health, that's for sure. But then, the the extending. Anfield Road in mm. 2022, maybe. Yeah. Oh, I think 61,500. I'd love to have a go at that. Absolutely, yeah. Well, what I've said is, look, let's get through this season, win the league. That would be a huge milestone. Yeah. A monumental milestone for everybody. Because mm. in 30 years, that's you know a whole generation of people who've never seen what you know we should be doing year in, year out. Yeah. And then I'll get through next year and see how it goes. I mean, somebody might come to me and say, look, George, you've had a good run, now off it. Um, I might hope not. win the lottery, you know, I might get fed up. You know, uh, a million and one things might happen. So I'm just taking each match as it comes, as they yeah. say. And, well, in, this, in my case, each season. But 49 seems a lot, and it's, I say... It's an incredible next, achievement. Next door, next door. Well, yeah. And the other thing, of course, I've got to see Peter Gillam off at Brent. I was so. just about to say that you need to beat him. Let's uh, get that well, beat. Yeah, I'll, he might. If I do win the lottery, he might well disappear. Maybe off to an Australian club or something. Yeah. Uh, um, but um, no, that's, I'll, I'll say I'm just. I'm literally just getting through what I've got to do because there's stress. There's stress enough, but uh, without. Building extra stress. A million, let's say a million and one things could happen. Of course. Well, let's get to fifty. Let's win the league, and then let's have a look yeah, at that book. Yeah. We'll definitely have a, a read of that book, and we'll get you back on the podcast as well yeah, when we see means. that book. <laughs> um, but George, thank you so much yeah, for joining so us. So we so really, so really much. appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, and yeah, 
uh, that was the Copite special, and uh, we'll see you very, very soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.